Well, uh, as you can tell, we're doing something a little different today, obviously. And, uh, and so this morning, I wanted to speak specifically uh, about children and about how we should view children. So if you have a worship guide, go ahead and pull that out. There's a few notes that are there. We're actually going to move a little quicker than normal with the students in the room this morning. But uh, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you opened it to 127, Psalm 127, whenever um, Jasmine read it. But if you didn't, go ahead and pull that out, and we'll have some of the scriptures on the screen again as we walk back through some of those verses that were just read. Um, if you do not have children, as in if you are a couple that has not had children yet, uh, maybe you want to have children, maybe you, you don't know if you want to have children, uh, or maybe you're, you're a single person who hasn't had children yet, or maybe you are older and you've passed the stage uh, of raising children in your home, uh, my prayer is that you wouldn't check out, okay? Don't check out during this next section. Uh, and here's a couple reasons why. Let me give you just two reasons. Number one, we genuinely believe that raising the next generation is a communal responsibility, and it's an opportunity that we as a collective community have to speak about who God is. In Psalm 78, it's a great passage of scripture. We're not going to spend much time there today. Psalm 78, we're reminded that it's not just the parent's responsibility to tell the next generation who God is and what he's done, but it's actually the whole community of believers. Those who follow God all have that responsibility. And so um, I I know growing up in my world, when I was a kid, I learned... uh, that I was being parented in community because every time my mom dropped me off at Sunday school, we had Sunday school, typical Sunday school, she would say something to the teacher to this effect. Listen, if my son doesn't listen, you give him a spanking. So I've had some discipline from some other adults in my life because my mom, she was a firm believer in getting other people involved in the process. Anybody else have that in your life? Uh, In fact, when I was growing up, we had Sunday school, but then we all went to church service. So it felt like this every week. And uh, a couple things, and as I reflect back on that, number one, when my mom would sing in the choir, uh, we would be, you know, there doing our thing and being kids, being silly. And she had this look. But she would look out from the choir, and we knew when she gave us that look, we were going to be in trouble when we got home. Anybody ever experienced that? Uh, I remember that. And I remember one Sunday morning we were in church, and uh, there was a kid who was misbehaving, one of my friends, uh, not me. And, uh, and, and this kid's misbehaving. It's right in the middle of the sermon. And so his mom just takes him, throws, her, throws him over his shoulder and heads out the door with him. Now, part of the reason she was heading out the door, she's going to you know, discipline him. And there was a tree right outside this door. Now, this is probably not politically correct these days. But there was a tree. And literally, this tree was about to die because all the branches had been stripped off of it to, use as, to swap bottoms with, right, when kids were misbehaving. So she goes out to the tree, and as she's heading out to the tree, right before she gets out the door, you see these little fingers like latch onto the door frame. <laughs> and literally, like they are grabbing on like a cat. And, they, and, and then you see the mom's fingers kind of come back around and start peeling the little kid's fingers off one by one. And right before she gets to the last one, we just hear this shout, y'all pray for me. <laughs> it's right in the middle of the sermon. So that doesn't happen often anymore. <laughs> But what I'm saying is that we collectively are called to invest in the next generation. And so whether you have children at home or whether you don't, uh, whether you want to have children or whether you don't, uh, we pray that we will be a part of helping raise the next generation. Second reason why I don't want you to check out if you don't have kids at home right now that you are investing in and raising is because you will interact with parents. You will engage with people in the world who have views on children. And many of the views in the world on children are not biblical. 
And so we need to have a biblical framework to understand how does God feel about children and how should we feel about children. And so I want to encourage parents uh, to, to know the truth in that, but also encourage those who aren't parents to know the truth about children, who they are, and why we believe they are so very important. So from this section of Scripture that we read this morning, I, I just want to make three simple points, okay? And, and so hopefully these are memorable, even for you kids. I know you kids have some activity sheets, but I want to ask you periodically, are you listening? Are you getting this too? Because we're talking about you this morning, all right? Uh, parents, we want to learn this. People and adults in the room, we want to learn this. But kids, this is about you and, and how we believe that God wants us to see you, kids, and how we should invest in your lives. So the first point that I want to make, if you look at verse 3 that uh, Jasmine read to us, it says this, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Now, this word heritage literally means that they are a blessing. And I would say to us this morning that we should view children as a blessing, not a burden. And it doesn't mean kids can't be a burden at times, can't feel like a burden at times, but how we view them, we should see kids as a blessing, not a burden. Now, let's all be honest. Sometimes kids are expensive, right? Sometimes kids keep you from getting the sleep that you so desperately want. Uh huh, some amens. Sometimes kids' uh, behaviors are annoying. Sometimes your children really tick you off, right? Sometimes being a parent is very difficult, it's challenging, it's hard, right? It's really hard work. But I want us to understand that in spite of all that, they are so worth it. They are truly a blessing from God, that children are a blessing from God, not a burden. I know that there are a lot of people in the world who talk about how expensive they are and and how difficult it is to do this. But again, remember they are a blessing, not a burden. And we as a church family, we see them that way. Uh, To see all these kids up here this morning, what a blessing. Yeah, what a privilege that we have to have these children as a blessing to our church family. Is an interesting scene in the life of Jesus where he's out with his disciples. And in Mark 10, I, we get one uh, picture of this where he looks up, Jesus looks up, and he sees his disciples, and they're having a conversation with these parents who are trying to bring their children to Jesus. You remember this story? And Jesus sees these, this conversation happening, and it's, these disciples are saying, hey, listen, don't, don't bring your kids over here. Jesus doesn't have time for this. He's not interested in, in this. You just, just go, go on, move on. And Jesus sees what's happening, and what does he say? He says, don't hinder these little children. He said, let the, let the little children come to me. And I can only imagine what that was like when all these children surround Jesus, and they're probably crawling on him, and they're probably slobbering on him. You know, they're, they're just being kids, doing what kids do. And here's Jesus, and he, I'm sure he's just loving this moment where he is blessing these children, and he is just loving on them. You see, Jesus reminds us in that scene that children are a blessing. And we, as a church, as, a, as Christ followers, should see children as a blessing and not a burden. The second thing I want us to see this morning, simply from this text, is this, that children are gifts, not gods. We should see them as gifts, not, not gods. Now, you probably wonder what, what I mean by that. I'm going to explain that. But this, the, the, the verse 3, at the end, verse 3b says, in uh, Psalm 127, it says, children are a, a reward. They're a reward. They're a gift from God, which means, first and foremost, that we uh, have received them as a gift from God, right? And so we remember that we don't own them, but that they are truly a gift from 
God. But also, there's some things about this that are really, really important in that parents many times in our culture, um, we, we understand our kids are important. We can almost make them too important. In fact, I would argue that many times parents do make their children too important and children become the center of the home rather than Jesus or rather than, than God. Now, let me explain what I mean. As a parent, I have a, I'm a parent of six kiddos. I love them. They are great. And, and it's, a fun, it's a fun job. It's a hard job. And there's days where I'm very taxed by it. There's other days where I'm just blown away by how awesome it is that I get to be a dad. But here's what I know about my kids. My kids are great as my children, but they are terrible if I turn them into God's. They are terrible if I look to them to get my identity, my worth, my value, my security. If I look to my kids and their performance to try to determine my value, and I try to look to them, you know what what happens in my life, and I think will happen in your life, is that many times I will be embarrassed when they don't perform well, right? I'll be really ashamed. I'll be fearful. Uh, I will find that I have a lot of anxiety and stress and worry that comes from looking to them to to do what only God can do in my life. Or the other part of this is I will actually see my kids and I will, I will try to live vicariously through them. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't get to accomplish this and so you want your kids to accomplish it for you. You're gonna live vicariously through your kids. And when you get kids at the center of the home, while it may sound loving to really elevate your kids and to see them as really important, if you see them as more important than God, you will actually hurt them. You actually hinder them. You actually even, I'd say, handicap them. I saw this in a scenario in my own family where my grandmother, um, I have an uncle that's a year older than me, and literally his whole life, he was not allowed to do anything. It was like he tried to, my, my grandmother tried to put him in a bubble and, and protect him to the degree that literally he's hindered. He can't even function in life because he has been so protected. And it's because she made her whole life revolve around him rather than um, helping him grow and helping him experience what life is all about. Sometimes hardship and difficulty and trial. You see, children are a gift, but they are not gods. They make terrible gods. And we have to be very careful not to worship them. We should celebrate our kids, right? We should celebrate them, but we should not worship our kids. We should cheer them on, but we should not make them into the center of our universe. Because many times what will happen is, is again, we will create entitled children. We will create children who think the whole world revolves around themselves and they can't function in real life. And in that, we, or the opposite is true, we will actually crush them with our expectations. We're constantly on them. We're constantly on them trying to, to get them to do things that fit into what we want them to do so that we feel good about ourselves as parents. And we say it's for them, but really it's for us. That hurts, doesn't it, a little bit? I can see how this can happen. And so we want to see children truly as a gift from God who belong to God. We're stewards of this incredible gift, but we don't own them. And we also know that they ultimately belong to God and that they are for his glory. Which really leads me to the third point that we want to pull from this text this morning. We want to see in this text. Notice what Psalm 127 verse 4 says. I like this as a dad, okay? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, we just went to Indonesia, and while we were in Indonesia, we were at the beach one of the last days we were there. And so, um, you know, I was always, uh, when I go on trips, I try to find something to bring home to my kids. Any, any of you guys do that? 
And, and so when we were out there on the beach, this guy walks up and he's got these uh, blow dart guns and he's got these bow and arrows. And I'm thinking, my kids will love this. My son just realized I, I, I took this out of his room this morning. And, uh, but, I, but I love these things. And so this was, I, you know, it's not, it's not the best made, but it's pretty cool. It's got some Indonesian stuff going on. And uh, I got a whole, whole bunch of arrows here. But I was thinking about this idea this, 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 that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And I want to say to us this morning that we should see our children more as weapons than wishes. Now, again, that's dad language here, right? But here's what I mean by that, that we really believe that our children can be used, and it sounds maybe bad to to say it in that way. You may maybe think I'm talking about using your kids to do what you want them, but I'm saying that they are a part of defeating darkness in our world, that we raise children who actually walk in the light and that they carry the light into a dark world. I genuinely believe that we as parents have the opportunity to see that happen because the idea of this language in this verse is that that our children are like a defense against the enemy. And I believe that in our lives, if we will be intentional about what we do with these arrows, that we can aim them on point and we can shoot them towards their, their mission. We can shoot them towards their vision that God has for their lives. I'm not gonna shoot it, okay? Some of you are getting nervous. I saw a few people starting to sweat. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, But here's the deal. We want to aim them towards their purpose. And what is their purpose? According to Scripture, their purpose is to live for the glory of God, the one who made them, to reflect God's glory. And so we know that, practically speaking, that means that we have to teach them some things. And I want to give you three things that I think we need to teach our children if we're going to aim them towards their purpose. First one is this. We need to teach children to live for what is eternal instead of what's temporary. We need to teach our children to have an eternal perspective. Let me just challenge us as parents. What if we as parents purely raise our kids to be good kids with good education? They can make a lot of money, which would be good for us, right? Hopefully. Um, The good education, good jobs, and good families, but they don't know Jesus. And they don't know how to follow Jesus. And they're not living for what really matters in the end. Jesus says this way, he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but what? Loses his soul. Parents, our number one responsibility is to make sure our kids know Jesus Christ. It's our, our, our opportunity to, to make sure that they know the gospel, they know Jesus. In Deuteronomy, we're reminded, chapter 6, and again in 11, that we have a responsibility to, in our everyday lives, keep talking about God, who he is and what he has done. And I mentioned Psalm 78 earlier, that Psalm 78 tells us that if we don't tell the next generation about who God is and what he's done, they'll forget. And when they forget, they're going to suffer the consequences of forgetting who God is, of abandoning him. So as parents, every day in our daily lives, we have opportunities to share the gospel, the good news, the message of Christ, and to teach them that what matters is not just what's here and now, but what is eternal. Does that mean that they can't be really good at sports? Does that mean that we shouldn't encourage them and cheer them on in the classroom to be the best students? Does that mean that we shouldn't want them to to succeed at extracurricular activities? No, we should want all those things, but we always need to connect those to a bigger purpose, a bigger cause, a transcendent goal that God has for their life. Because everything ultimately exists, what? For God's glory. And so if we don't give them that picture, they have such a small-minded view, they'll think it's all about themselves. They'll think it's all about themselves, and in the end, they'll find that it's empty, that no matter how many things that they accomplish, it's never enough. We want to attach them. We want to help their hearts attach to the things that are, will, will last forever, not just the things that are temporary. 
The second thing I want to, we have to teach our kids if we're going to aim them towards their goal, towards their purpose, is we want to aim them towards living by faith and not by feeling. Living by faith and not by feeling. It is very common in our world today. In fact, we've even seen this as of late, that when people want to feel their way through what they believe about God, they want to feel their way through what they think is true and what is right. We call this subjective truth, right? In our homes, we need to teach our kids how to believe God and to believe that he is true, even if it doesn't feel right. Yesterday, we were driving in the car. We had a conversation with our kids, and I asked the question. I said, hey, listen, is God's word true? And of course, you know, they, they're like, yeah, dad, it's true. We know it's true. Okay, if you feel differently about something than what God's word is saying, do you go with your feelings or do you go with God's word? Well, because they're good preacher kids. They're like, oh, you go with God's word, dad, right? Okay, let's try this different. My, my wife's very good with practical illustrations. She says, so kids, let's say that there's some candy on the counter. And let's say you really, in your heart, you feel like you want that candy, but you know you haven't asked for that candy. To take it would be stealing. Do you steal the candy or do you wait and ask mom and dad and do the right thing and go with what God's word says, don't steal? And of course they say, what? Oh yeah, you follow God's word. Now what's funny about that, of course, is that this week in our house, after Halloween, that's not what's happened. It's been totally opposite. Candy's disappearing. Uh, it's, it's, it's the ghost did it, right? And, and so we're, we can't, and, and I think our youngest little ghost is the one who's primarily doing it. But point being this, listen, that's just a small illustration of what happens as we grow as human beings. And it won't be candy. It'll be, oh, we don't feel like this is fair that God's saying this. We're going to do what we want to do here. We have to raise children who understand from an early age that God's way is right and it's true and it's pure regardless of how I feel about it. Are you with me? So if we want to aim them towards their purpose, we got to teach them that God's word is true and it's good. In fact, I would encourage you as parents to get really familiar with Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a great section of scripture for you to encourage your kids to memorize some passages from there. Mom and dad, if you haven't memorized some from there, it's good. Where it says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living in accordance with God's word? He goes on to say, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. He goes on to say that his word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. What great sections of Scripture to remind our kids of the importance of Scripture. Or 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, if you're taking notes, where it says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We want to be the kind of people who pour God's Word into our kids so that they have a filter to know what's true and what's not. And no matter what they might feel, they're going to live by faith. If you want to aim them for their purpose, then we have to give them truth to stand on. And finally, I would say we need to teach our children, if we're going to aim them on purpose, to live like Jesus did. How did Jesus live? He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We could talk about a lot of other things, but I want you to understand this morning that if we want to raise children who are truly bringing the light into the darkness, who are truly weapons for the kingdom of God in a sense, not just, hey, I hope they do this, their wishes, and we're just kind of firing them in all different directions because we're fearful, you know, of offending our children or fearful that they'll reject us or fearful of just making mistakes, whatever it might be. But we would tr truly say we're going to invest in them. We're going to teach them, right? We're going to teach them how in their lives that they need to be the kind of people who follow Jesus no matter what, who look to him no matter what. 
who walk with him in their lives. It's interesting how that um, we live in a world where everybody, it's all about me. It's all about in, in what I get and what I can gain. But I want to, 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 to note that, again, we should teach them to live the way that Jesus did. And Philippians 2 teaches us this. It's a great passage for you to, t- to walk through with your kids where it says that Jesus, he humbled himself to, to the, the most, uh, the lowest of place, places. He became a servant and he laid his life down for us. And Jesus has called us to follow his example, that we would humble ourselves, that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. Just a simple way that we can be the kind of parents, kind of leaders, kind of community that are raising children to put others first. And in Proverbs 22, 6, we're given a great promise. It's a great promise that I think parents should cling to. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Isn't that a good promise for us as parents? That we can train them up in the way they should go. Is there work involved in parenting? You better believe there is. Men in this room, do not take a passive role in raising your children. Can I say it? Men, dads, do not say, well, that's the mom's job. That's the, that's the woman's job. In the church, we don't say, oh, the women raise the kids. Did you notice these leaders that came up earlier? Did you see these men in here? Man, I, these guys are my heroes. I love the fact that I've got my boys and my girls who are in classrooms every week with these leaders, and there are men showing them what it looks like to be a man who follows Jesus. That's what the church ought to have, is men stepping up and saying, we're going to help influence the next generation. Not just the women's job, but the men's job for us to invest in the next generation of kids, to invest in them and to pour into them. And dads, we have a responsibility One of my friends I went to college with, he says this. He said, men should go to bed tired, like dog tired every night. Because when we get home, it's not when our job ends, it's when our job begins. And I believe that, that we have a job to do, men. When we get home from work, whatever it might be, I know we're tired, but we want to invest in our kids, invest in their lives, be present with them, and speak to them about the things that really, really matter. Notice what he says at the end of this section in verse five. He says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. You know, he's basically saying, blessed is the man who has many children, right? Blessed is the man who has many children. Now, I'm gonna go easy on this, but I want to also make sure that I'm I'm clear. Um, I genuinely believe uh, that God wants us as Christians, as Christ followers. If you're not a Christian, uh, you can check out, right? But if you're a Christian, I believe that God wants us to really pray through how many children God wants us to have. I believe he does. I, want us, I think he wants us to pray through that and to seek his wisdom and his counsel, not just accept what the culture says is the norm. Not just say, well, well the culture says I should have 2.3 kids, so that's what I'm going to have. I don't even know how you have a point three, but that's what America, right? But what I'm saying is we should prayerfully ask God to lead us in that conversation. Are kids expensive? Yes. And if we based it on money, we would not have very many kids, right? I know this. Um, but I can tell you that children really are a gift. They really are a blessing, and we should prayerfully ask God not just make decisions on how many kids we think we should have because he says blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Now, I will tell you that everybody's quiver is a little different size. I can't tell you when your quiver's full. I can tell you when your minivan's full because I've been there, but I can't tell you when your quiver's full, but maybe God wants you to have one. Maybe he wants you to have three. Maybe he wants you to have six. Maybe he wants you to have 18. I don't know. You're like, whoa, no way. 
But what I can tell you is that you should make that a decision of prayer. You should bring it to God. And you say, God, listen, we're going to trust you with this. How many kids do you want us to have? It's interesting that in Genesis, in the very beginning, when God creates Adam and Eve, he says to them, he gives them instructions. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, I think for the most part, we've done our job as a human race. Okay, I just got back from Asia. I felt like there's like people everywhere. We got lots of people on this planet. But I think that there's a transferable reality to that. It's that it's not just that we should have babies. It's not just that we should have more children. It's that we should have kids who we are raising to be disciples, followers of Jesus. In fact, I think that we as Christians can have a huge impact in the world as we raise the bar and understanding the value of children and we teach them to follow God and walk with God. Statistically, in the United States, Christians, Christ followers, are having more children than other people. And they're having them because we do see that they are a gift and we do see that they are a blessing. And one of the things I hope you know is that if God does tend to, you know, God gives you more children, um, gives you more than you think you can handle, hopefully the community of people that are called the church rally around you and can help you with that. I know Jada and I appreciate deeply the fact that we're not just raising our children alone. We have family spiritual family. We saw that when we went to Indonesia. We spent uh, time over there, and we had like 19 different people that were doing what Jada normally does in, in, in her daily life, right? And they had all this, she had this big chart set up, and, and all these different people who were helping us. And I was like, that's what the church does. That's what the church looks like. We get to participate in each other's lives, and we get to help raise these children. But notice again, he says how, what happy is the man whose quiver is full. How happy is the man whose quiver is full. I can tell you as a dad of six kids, man, there's, there's hardly anything in this world that brings me much more joy than my children. What a gift. Now, they bring me some bad moments too, okay? But they bring me so much joy when I really stop and think about how beautiful they are and what a gift they are. And then I'm a, a steward, a, have a sacred steward of these children. Truly are, it's truly an honor. Now, notice that I skipped over verses one and two when we were going through these points. I skipped over verses one and two because if you're like me, when I start thinking about parenting, I immediately start feeling guilty. I start feeling shame. I start feeling fear. I start feeling tired. Anybody else there? But notice what verse one and two say. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late. That sounds like a parent. Working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Now, some commentators say that these were two completely separate sections and that they aren't connected. But when I read that, I think parenting. (laughs) When I read that section, I feel like, wow, that is totally appropriate. And here's why. Because if I rely on my own strength, my own wisdom, my own capacity to parent children, I am doomed for failure. But by the grace of God and all that he provides, I believe that we can influence, I can influence the next generation. I can influence my own kids with God's help. In fact, the reality is, is that we need to pray like it depends on God and we need to parent like it depends on God because it does depend on God. That only God can shape our kids' hearts. Only God can help those little hearts to, to be turned and to be tender towards him, right? There's some teenagers in this room and, there, and you guys, I, I don't know where your heart is right now with God, but my prayer is that you would not miss God in your life. There's some parents of teenagers in this room that feel hopeless and helpless right now. There's some parents of of older kids, and you're like, man, I don't know if my kids are ever going to walk with God. I don't know if they're ever going to get it. 
keep praying, keep trusting, keep hoping, keep believing. There's a story right here in this congregation. I won't even point out those people by name, but there's a story of, of a son who has been walking away from God for a long time, but his parents have faithfully prayed. And now he is turning his heart back towards God. And I believe that God is doing that because he is that kind of gracious, merciful God. Thankfully, at the end of the day, parenting doesn't rest on us, it rests on God. Thankfully, I know for me, no matter how good of a parent I think I am or a bad of a parent I think I am, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to rest in his finished work. And if Jesus can take care of our greatest need, which is our salvation, I can guarantee he can take care of our needs for parenting, right? He can do that. So my, my prayer and my hope today that as, as a church that we would rest in God's help, that we would not labor in vain doing it on our own. We would not just try to be really busy. We would not just pour into our kids things that are temporary. We would pour into our kids the things that are eternal, right? That we would really see them as the blessing that they are, the gift that they are. We would not worship our kids, not put them at the center, but we would worship Jesus and teach our kids to worship Jesus. We would find our identity and worth and value in Christ and not in our kids. And at the end of the day, we would say, Jesus, you gave us these precious gifts, this sacred stewardship, and to the best of our ability, we've followed you, we've trusted you, we've messed up along the way, but we ultimately rest in your grace. And we want to present the, these kids to you because they belong to you anyway and say, Jesus, would you use their lives? Would you, would you help their lives to count? Would you help their lives like these arrows in the hands of a warrior to do damage in the kingdom of darkness? Because they love you and they love people, right? That's what we hope to see. Kids in this room, we love you. We are thankful that you are a part of the church. We hope that you were raised in a home uh, over, the, over time where your parents can be honest with you and open with you, can, can seek your forgiveness, uh, can walk with you and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus because they're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. Parents, we're not going to be perfect, are we? But hopefully they can show you what it looks like to follow Jesus and to, to rest in his grace when we aren't perfect, when we do mess up, when we do blow it. And my hope is that, again, at the end of the day, we can really honor God as we sacredly, sacredly steward this next generation of children. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to take some time to do communion together. Father, we thank you so much for your great love. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your help. Uh, this, this task of raising the next generation is significant. It's weighty. And the truth of the matter is, is that um, it's overwhelming at times. I mean, I confess in my heart, there are moments where I'm like, I feel like a total failure as a dad. Uh, there are moments where I feel this sense of, I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to, to help my kids see Jesus because my sin is, is, is in front of me and I see my struggles. But I thank you, Jesus, that it's not ultimately about me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me. I thank you that you have given me the grace to overcome and the power to overcome. And I pray that you would give that to every parent in this room this morning. And God, I pray for those in this room that are single or that are young, married, and haven't had children yet, and those who are uh, out of the, ch the child-rearing ages, I, I pray that you would give them the courage and you give them a calling to step in around families that are in the trenches right now, and that you would encourage these parents, encourage these families through this community of believers. I pray that we would see the significance of this task. God, I thank you again for these children and for the beauty of them. May we point them to the life that is in you, Jesus. May we help them to walk with you all their days. 
as we trust in you to do that work in their heart. We pray this in your name.